What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 125, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, November 28th, 2020, headlined by Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades. This 11-fight card will take place at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Last week at UFC 255, I did predict 8 of 12 fights correctly on the podcast, and I did profit around 0.4 units on my official BetMMA tips page, which is where I track all my official bets, and you can see all my official plays before the event starts over there, which is in the YouTube description of the videos, and it is on my Twitter profile as well, Martian MMA on the BetMMA website. I don't have any bets tracked for this current card yet. I'm not really liking too many spots on this card, but I likely will still track a bet or two before the event starts. So make sure you keep updated with that. You follow me on BetMMA so you can get emails anytime I post a new bet. We are going to get started analyzing the first fight on this card, which is a catchweight fight at 140 pounds between Nate Maness taking on Luke Sanders. The opening betting line for this one, we have Maness minus 180 to Sanders plus 140. Over on Bet Online right now, we are seeing the line flip. We are now seeing Sanders minus 145 to Maness plus 125. Much more action coming in on Sanders, forcing the line to flip. And I do agree with that action. I do think that Sanders is the rightful favorite here, but I'm still a bit questionable in terms of whether I want to bet on him or not. I see a lot of people, a lot of betters who I respect are coming in on Sanders. And I might be wrong on this one. I might have too many concerns around Sanders. And might be overthinking this one a little bit, but I've just seen a little bit too many red flags from Sanders recently to really trust him here. One of my first issues with Sanders is he has a very long layoff. He hasn't fought in the UFC since February of 2019, so almost a two-year layoff for Luke Sanders here. When re-watching Sanders' UFC run, he's just had a lot of bad moments throughout that run. He was winning two fights against Andre Sukumtat and against Yuri Alcantara won round one of both of those fights and then ended up getting finished in round two of both of those. He got guard pulled and heel hooked very quickly versus Hani Yaya. And in his most recent fight, he was struggling against Hannon Burrell. He was getting body kicked a lot in that fight and eventually did come back and land a knockout in round two. But I just did not like the way that Sanders was dealing with body kicks in that fight. Well, he wasn't really dealing with them at all. He was kind of just eating them, and he was very tough. He was very hard to finish, but he didn't really have a good answer for returning those body kicks. Now getting over to Nate Maness, he did make his UFC debut at featherweight a few months ago, so he is dropping his weight a little bit for this fight, and I thought he looked pretty decent against Munoz, he showed some pretty good takedown defense, was hard to hold down, he got back up to his feet when he did get taken down, showed some decent striking, but he got pretty lucky winning that fight, his opponent got a point taken, he kind of won the last round in with a takedown in the last 60 seconds too, so it was not a very dominant performance from Maness, but I do think he is a pretty well-rounded fighter, he showed that he can stop takedowns he has pretty decent offensive striking we just haven't really seen his striking tested against higher level opponents yet and that is why i'm going to be picking luke sanders here because we actually have seen luke sanders outstrike some ufc level opponents we've seen him have some success we've seen him land some knockouts so he does have some power in his hands he is very aggressive on the feet and i just think he's a little bit more offensively damaging than nate maness even though Sanders is the natural bantamweight here and Maness has fought at featherweight a lot more, I think that Sanders is the bigger guy. I mean, we might see a bit of a height advantage for Maness here, but Sanders is powerful. I think he's going to be landing the more damaging shots. He comes out very aggressive in the first two rounds too. So 
Maybe look to live bet Nate Maness here if you're not looking the, liking the way that Sanders looks. If Sanders starts to slow down in the later rounds, then maybe look to live bet Maness. But in terms of pre-fight value, I do think that Sanders is the side to be on. He's just a more proven fighter at this point. So I will pick Luke Sanders to win by decision, but I won't be betting on him here. I understand the people who came in on that early price at Sanders, but I think it's a pass on terms of both money lines right now. It's kind of a props or pass type of fight. So the pick is going to be Sanders by decision and maybe look to live at Maness here. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Malcolm Gordon taking on Sue Madarji. The opening betting line for this one was Sue Madarji minus 175 to Gordon plus 150. Right now we are seeing Sue Madarji minus 332 to Gordon plus 270. Much more action coming in on Sue Madarji here and I agree with that action. Although where it's at now, it's probably going to be a pass on both sides here. I just think that you cannot be trusting Sumadarji at this minus 300 level price. And I'm not really willing to bet on Gordon at plus 270 either. So it's definitely going to be a props or pass situation where this line is at currently. Sumadarji is a bit of a weird fighter to get a read on because when he was coming into the UFC, he had a lot of wins over lower level competition in China, a lot of knockouts over really subpar fighters. So we didn't really know where he was at skill wise. His UFC debut, he was taken down, grappled, and submitted by Luis Smolka. But then in Sue's most recent fight against Andre Sugumtat, he looked vastly improved. He had great striking, very good in and out movement, looked very fast on his feet. He had good body kicks sharp punches that were hurting Sukumtat. He was stuffing takedowns, hitting his own offensive takedowns. So we saw a lot of good things from Sumadarji in that fight. And that was the first time he's fought an opponent that made me think that Sumadarji was actually very skilled because Sukumtat is not the highest level opponent, but he's still a tough test. And Sumadarji passed that test with flying colors. He looked great in that fight. But still, that is really the only fight that I've seen Sumadarji look very impressive in. So I'm not really willing to bet him at minus 300 when we've only really seen him look great in one fight. Now getting over to Malcolm Gordon, he is a pretty bad fighter. I had a good read on him coming into the UFC. He had bad boxing defense. He got hurt by strikes very frequently. Bad takedown defense. And once he was on the ground, he doesn't have good defense. He's been submitted before. And that's exactly what happened in that fight versus Amir Albazi. He was outboxed in the feet. He was hurt with punches. He was taken down, passed, mounted, and submitted. So Gordon is not a very skilled fighter at all. He has bad boxing defense. He has poor takedown defense. And he's really a grappler. He thrives in grappling situations. But he's not even that great of a grappler. A lot of his submissions come off of his back or arm bars, triangles. And that's just not very reliable at all. And I think that the only way that he beats Sumadarji here is likely catching a submission on the ground. We did see Sumadarji struggle with the grappling and submissions of Luis Smoka, and I do think that Smoka is a much better grappler than Malcolm Gordon is, but still, anything could happen. We could see Gordon snatch a crazy armbar or triangle, and I really do think that's the only way that I see him winning. I would be extremely shocked by a knockout or decision on Gordon's end. So it really comes down to how I think that Sumadarji will win the fight. We haven't really seen much submission skills from Sumadarji, and he is primarily a striker. Gordon's striking defense is not good. He gets hurt a lot. So knockout is, I think, the front runner. But a lot of people are betting the inside the distance, the under here, the Sumadarji knockout. And I think that I'm going to go with decision at this point. I think that the value on Sumadarji decision is too good to pass up. So I'll probably end up with a small bet on Sumadarji by decision. I just have not seen Subadarji finish good enough opponents to think that he knocks out Gordon here. 
I think that we could see a decision from Sumadarji where he's hurting Gordon with strikes, hitting his own takedowns, or maybe we just see a low output kickboxing fight where Sumadarji edges the volume and wins a decision here. So a lot of the people are betting on the knockout and the inside the distance here. I think if you got in on it early, it might have been a good bet, but where it's at now, I'd say pass on the Sumadarji knockout, the under is the inside the distance, and I think that the value has shifted to Sumadarji decision here, so I'm going to go with a Sumadarji decision as my official pick, and I will likely end up with a small bet on, on it as well. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Kai Kamaka taking on Jonathan Pierce. The opening betting line for this one was Kamaka minus 200 to Pierce plus 170. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Kamaka minus 300 to Pierce plus 250. More action coming in on the favorite Kai Kamaka here, and I agree with that action. I think that minus 200 had a lot of value on it, and I think that even at minus 300, there might be some value left on Kai Kamaka. I really favor him in this fight. We got Jonathan Pierce, on the other hand, dropping down a featherweight for this fight. His last fight was at lightweight versus Joe Lozon. And that Joe Lozon had been struggling lately, had been losing fights a lot, and hadn't really finished anybody in several years. But then he came out aggressive versus Pierce, rocked him with punches on the feet, took him down, and was able to TKO him in about 90 seconds there. So not a good look for Pierce, getting rocked by an older Joe Lozon on the feet, getting taken down, and... TKO'd that quickly by Lozon that's definitely not a good look and now he's dropping down to featherweight so considering he got rocked by Joe Lozon with his chin at 155 I do not have good expectations for his defense and his chin at 145 especially taking on a powerful striker like Kai Kamaka a guy who is very accurate with his punches and kicks really a big fan of Kai Kamaka his combination striking is fun to watch he can hit offensive takedowns and keep top position he has good leg lace control to keep his opponents down and Kai Kamaka is a really skilled fighter everywhere and I just think he's got Pierce beat everywhere here I think he's the much better striker he will likely be hurting Jonathan Pierce with strikes in the feet and if Kamaka wants to he can hit offensive takedowns as well we've seen pretty bad takedown defense from Jonathan Pierce his contender series fight, he was getting outboxed, got taken down, and until Rosales gassed out in that fight, Pierce was clearly losing that fight and only really turned it around when his opponent gassed out. So I am pretty unimpressed with Jonathan Pierce. I would be pretty shocked to see him beat Kai Kamaka here. I've been really impressed with Kai Kamaka lately. His two fights against Stack and against Kelly, his two most recent fights, were two both really competitive decision fights over two skilled fighters where he battled through some adversity. He showed good durability. He showed good cardio in the later rounds. He slowed down a little bit in the, the third round of the Tony Kelly fight. But the, the Stack fight, he was able to dig deep, get a takedown in that third round, and edge him a close decision. So... I'm a little bit concerned about the cardio of Kamaka. It seems like he doesn't really use his energy very efficiently and tends to slow down in the later rounds, but I think he should have a pretty easy fight here and he should not gas out unless he goes uh, really hard for a knockout or something. But Kai Kamaka is not the best finisher. He does have good accurate striking, but not the most powerful guy, so I wouldn't rely on the knockout here. Um, if you want to take a stab on Kamaka by knockout, thinking that he's the much better striker, Pierce got rocked by Lozon. Pierce is dropping down in weight, so that weight cut's probably harder on his chin and his defense. I can see it, but I think I'm going to go with Kai Kamaka by decision as my official prediction. I just haven't seen quite enough knockout power or finishing ability from Kamaka to trust the finish here. So my official prediction will be Kai Kamaka by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Rachel Ostovich taking on Gina Mazzani. The opening betting line for this one was Mazzani minus 127 to Ostovich plus 106. 
Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Mazzani minus 195 to Ostovich plus 170. A ton more action coming in on Gina Mazzani, and I have to say I'm shocked by this line movement. I do disagree with it. I just don't understand why people are trusting Gina Mazzani with their money, and I think that the value is on Rachel Ostovich at these odds. I have some concerns about both of them. To start off, we have Ostovich, who has not fought since January of 2019. So she's coming off of a near two-year layoff. And we have Gina Mazzani, who is dropping down in weight. She's a former Bantamweight, spent most of her career at Bantamweight, and is dropping down to 125 pounds here. So there's both a, they both have a little bit of a question mark behind them. I think that Mazzani is the better striker. She's definitely better in the clinch as well. But she does not have great takedown defense, and Rachel Ostovich is a grappler. She shoots a high amount of takedowns, and she actually has pretty decent wrestling skills. She can hit a vast array of takedowns from single legs, double legs, some body lock trip takedowns. I've been actually pretty impressed with Rachel Ostovich's takedowns. It's just her jujitsu that kind of frustrates me, and she gets a little too aggressive. She tries to dive on submission. She tries to dive for crazy back takes, and she frequently loses position and ends up on her back. But if she were just to grapple a little bit smarter, to not be so aggressive, and to favor position over submissions a little more, she would be a much more effective grappler, and I think that I would really trust her here versus Gina Mazzani. If Ostovich had like a clear top game where she holds opponents down for long periods of time, then I would really trust her here, but you got to be a little bit concerned that she will continue to do that thing that she always does where she dives on back takes or arm bars or goes for triangles or something, and she loses position and ends on her back. Even though I'm aware that's a really good possibility from Ostovich, I still think that there's value on her at plus 170 and it's likely worth a bet because she hits a high amount of takedowns. Gina Mazzani does not have good takedown defense and we haven't really seen Gina Mazzani show good striking against many good opponents in the UFC. We did see her get the better of Wu Yanan on the feet. We saw her hit some takedowns and keep top position versus Wu Yanan, but Ostovich is a much better fighter than Wu Yanan, I believe. I think she's a better defensive grappler, so Mazzani is not going to be able to rely on hitting takedowns and stalling on top and top position to win the rounds like she did versus Wu Yanan. I do give Mazzani an advantage striking here. I think that when the fight is at distance and in the clinch, I will favor Mazzani, but I eventually do think that Ostovich gets her wrestling going, finds a way to get this fight to the floor, and starts to have some success out grappling Gina Mazzani here. I think there's a good chance that she finds a submission somewhere along the line, or she might just use her takedowns to edge close rounds and to win a close decision here versus Mazzani. So, the value is all day on Rachel Ostovich here, even though she's coming off that layoff, even though she isn't the greatest striker, she doesn't have the greatest top control, she's aggressive, she shoots a high amount of takedowns, and I think that I'm pretty impressed with her wrestling game. I think that she will hit takedowns here, she will have some success grappling, and I think the odds will, or the fight will look much closer than the odds indicate. So, Ostovich is a good bet. I'm probably not going to track any action on her because I might just take a break on tracking uh, women's MMA bets after losing a lot on women's MMA bets last week. But I do like Ostovich here. I'm not going to track an official bet on her, but I'm going to be picking her to pull off the upset here. I think that she does get her takedowns going, and she probably finds a submission somewhere along the line versus Mazzani. So the pick is going to be Ostovich by submission. The Ostovich submission prop probably has some value as well. I think I saw that at plus eight or nine hundred, so that's definitely worth a stab. And I think that Mazan or uh, I think Ostovich's money line is worth a small bet as well. Going out on a bit of a limb here, not the most confident pick, but I like Ostovich's grappling enough to think that she has success here. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Martin Day taking on Anderson Dos Santos. 
The opening betting line for this one was day minus 164 to Dos Santos plus 136. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing day minus 170 to Dos Santos plus 145. Both of these guys have lost their first two UFC fights. Martin Day actually had some success in those fights, though. Very competitive fight against Pingyang Liu that I thought he actually should have won, but the judges in China gave that to Liu. And in Day's most recent fight just a few months ago was against Davy Grant. Very competitive back-and-forth fight where Day dropped Grant in round one. Grant started to come back and win round two. And then in round three, Davy Grant dropped Martin Day and knocked him out cold with a combination of punches. Definitely not a good sign for Martin Day there. He was winning that fight. He was outstriking Grant early on, but Grant made some changes, was able to touch the chin of Martin Day, and was able to put him out cold. But not only did we see some problems with the striking defense from Day in that fight, his takedown defense also looked pretty bad. He was double-legged very easily by Davy Grant, and that's definitely not a good sign for his future in MMA because a lot of guys are going to be able to hit easy takedowns on Martin Day from what I've seen. I mean, he really had no resistance to those takedowns at all. And he's fighting a guy in Anderson Dos Santos who is pathologically tough. He was getting lit up in both of his first two UFC fights by Andre Yule and Nadir Amani, but just kept coming forward. He's very aggressive, very tough guy, very hard to knock out or finish. And even if you're out striking Dos Santos, he is extremely tough. He will keep coming forward, keep shooting a high amount of takedowns. And based on that alone, I like his chances here against Martin Day because Martin Day was out striking Davy Grant. Davy Grant kept coming forward. He was shooting takedowns and he kind of got Martin Day to slow down and was able to catch him later on in that fight. So I think that's has a good chance of happening here. I think that we might see Martin Day outstrike Anderson Dos Santos early. He's definitely the better distance striker in my opinion, but will he be able to stop the nonstop pressure of Anderson Dos Santos? Will he be able to stop multiple takedowns from Dos Santos? And I do not think he will be able to do so. From the takedown defense I saw in the grand fight, it was so bad. I do believe that Anderson Dos Santos will hit takedowns here. And another note about this fight is that Davy Grant hit double leg takedowns on Martin Day in their fight, and Anderson Dos Santos hit double leg takedowns on Andre Yule in their fight. So the double leg takedown likely has success here. I think that Anderson Dos Santos will struggle on the feet, will get outstruck, but will just continue coming forward and get those takedowns, get his grappling going, and win this fight with his takedowns. So my pick in this one is going to be Anderson Dos Santos. It's a bit of a risky pick because I do think he will be getting outstruck pretty clearly here. And even if he does get the feet, the fight down to the floor, he's not some tremendous top game grappler. But I think that what I've seen from him, those relentless takedowns, I'm going to trust him here and I'm going to pick him to win a decision. So the pick is Anderson Dos Santos by decision. And of course, there is value on him as an underdog. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Ashley Evans-Smith taking on Norma Dumont. The opening betting line for this one was Evan Smith minus 139 to Dumont plus 115. Right now we are seeing over on Bet Online Evan Smith minus 134 to Dumont plus 114. There is not much footage of Dumont available online. Her pre-UFC fights are very hard to find. There's only one video of them where she takes down a low-level opponent, mounts her, and finishes her with ground and pound. And then we had Dumont's UFC debut against Megan Anderson at featherweight. She was kind of outsized in that matchup. She was trying to initiate a clinch. She had some success clinching and pushing uh, Anderson against the cage, but wasn't able to land any strikes, wasn't able to hit any takedowns, and was eventually knocked out with pretty much the first punch that landed from Anderson there. 
Not exactly a bad performance from Dumont because she was kind of being thrown to the wolves at a higher weight class against a pretty skilled opponent in Anderson. So we really don't really know how good Norma Dumont is. We know that she comes from a judo background. She seems to be most comfortable when getting fights in the clinch or getting her grappling going, but we haven't seen her distance striking tested very much, and we haven't seen her take down anybody remotely good. So it's really hard to predict how Norma Dumont will look here based on how little footage there is of her. If you are betting on this fight, it definitely is a bit of a risky bet considering that there's just so little footage of Norma Dumont and she could show massive improvements, stuff that we cannot predict because it's just not there on tape. It's not available for us to see right now. There is a lot of tape of Ashley Evans-Smith available though. She does have some decent victories in the UFC over Beck Rawlings, Veronica Macedo, and Marion Rinau. And even when she fought a, a little higher level opponents than her like Ketlin Vieira and Andrea Lee, she competed well in those fights. She was not an easy win at all. She has pretty decent takedown defense. She stuffed a lot of takedowns in her UFC career. Ashley Evans-Smith has been submitted a few times, so she's not the greatest submission grappler, but we have not seen much jujitsu skill from Norma Dumont on display, so I do not think that a submission is very likely here. So when it comes down to predicting this fight, I'm just going to trust the more experienced, more proven fighter, and that is Ashley Evans-Smith. She just has so much more experience fighting women at this UFC level, and we've seen pretty good well-rounded skills from Ashley Evans-Smith everywhere. She has pretty good striking output, she's very tough on the feet, she can hit offensive takedowns, and her defensive grappling looks pretty good as well. She has stuffed a good amount of takedowns in her UFC career, so I think Norma Dumont is going to be trying to get this fight in the clinch, trying to hit takedowns, and I trust Ashley Evans-Smith clinch defense her takedown defense to avoid getting taken down and to outstrike Norma Dumont while it's at distance and use her overall better MMA skills to win this fight via decision so the pick is going to be Ashley Evan Smith by decision if you want to bet on her it is a risky bet I'm not going to be tracking this bet uh, but I do think there is some value on Ashley Evan Smith I would cap her closer to 60-65% here so there is a little bit of value left on Ashley Evan Smith I think I bet her at minus 105 which is a much better price so where it's at now, I'd say probably stay away from it, but the pick is going to be Ashley Evans-Smith by decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Spike Carlisle taking on Bill Algio. The opening betting line for this one was Carlisle minus 152, Algio plus 130. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Carlisle minus 182, Algio plus 155. More action coming in on Carlisle here, and I agree with that action. Mostly because Spike Carlisle is a very fast starter. He comes at his opponents very aggressive in round one, typically looking for takedowns, and usually gets in some sloppy, crazy grappling exchanges very early on, lands some hard ground and pound, throws good elbows to the side of the head when his opponents are going for takedowns. But Spike Carlisle definitely slows down as the fight starts to go on. I don't think he's the most skilled fighter, although I will say that his distance striking impressed me versus Aaron Cruz. I did not expect his striking to look that good, and then he was able to rock Cruz with a head kick and finish him off with some ground and pound. So I do think that Carlisle is a little bit better than I gave him credit for when he was coming into the UFC. But I still do have a lot of concerns over Carlisle, like his energy usage, his cardio latent fights, and just his overall fighting scale. I do not think he's the most skilled guy. I will say that he's very athletic, extremely strong, and hard to hold down guy. I do think he has a good athleticism advantage in this fight, but... 
In terms of cardio, I give that advantage to Bill Algio, and I think that the longer the fight goes, the more it starts to favor Bill Algio, and that's sort of what we saw in his last fight against Ricardo Lamas. Algio was struggling early getting outboxed by Lamas in round one, but towards the end of round one and in round two, we saw Algio start to come forward a lot more, have a lot more success with his striking, and he actually rocked Ricardo Lamas with a counter knee, beautiful counter knee right up the middle in that fight, and had Lamas in a lot of trouble. Going into round three, it was definitely 1-1 in that fight, but Ricardo Lamas leaned on his wrestling advantage, his experience advantage, and was able to get a takedown to get his top game going was able to mount Algio and land some good ground and pound and win that round decisively, getting him a 10-8 round and winning him that decision. But that is Ricardo Lamas we're talking about, a very underrated fighter, extremely skilled fighter in all aspects of MMA, and such a different matchup than Spike Carlisle. I think this fight has a lot of potential to look very similar to Spike Carlisle's last fight against Billy Quarantillo where Carlisle comes out aggressive in round 1, likely wins round 1 but is going to start to slow down, start to get a little sloppier and start to lose the fight to the more skilled fighter in those last two rounds because I do think that Bill Algio is the more overall skilled fighter on the feet and on the ground. I trust Bill's technique on the feet a lot more. I think he's a lot more fluid of a striker, has more consistent output, has outstruck higher level opponents. We have also seen Algio's takedown defense and his defensive grappling look pretty good against Scott Heckman and against James Gonzalez, two good regional level fighters from the Northeast. Bill was able to stuff all of Heckman's takedowns and was able to stop most of Gonzalez's takedowns, but even when he was taken down and had his back briefly taken by Gonzalez, he was able to scramble out of that reverse position and then start to outgrapple Gonzalez later in that fight. So Bill Algio is a good defensive grappler and offensive grappler. He is a black belt, and I think that as this fight will start to go on, we will start to see Algio win those grappling exchanges, outgrapple Spike Carlisle on the mat, and if it's on the feet, I favor Algio there as well. So as long as Algio does not get finished in round one by some crazy knockout from Spike Carlisle, Carlisle does have a lot of power, does have some very unconventional finishes on his record. So it is possible that maybe he catches Algio in round one and gets a finish. But if he does not get an early finish, I'm going to start to favor the better cardio and the more experienced fighter in Bill Algio. And I'm going to trust Algio to just beat Carlisle everywhere. I think he can outgrapple Carlisle. He can outstrike him on the feet. And we could even see a late finish from Bill Algio as well. Well, in terms of an official prediction, I'm going to go with Bill Algio by decision. And in terms of bets for this fight, I think that the best bet for this fight is going to be a Bill Algio live bet. I think that if we can wait about three to five minutes into this fight, when Carlisle is having some success, when he starts to slow down, that was going to be the time to lock in a bet on Bill Algio at over two to one. I think we get a better price live than we do now. So the pick is going to be Bill Algio by decision. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Miguel Baeza taking on Takashi Sato. The opening betting line for this one was Baeza minus 192, Sato plus 165. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Baeza minus 170 to Sato plus 145. There is two-way action coming in on this fight, and rightfully so. It's a pretty close matchup between these two. A little bit more action is coming in on Sato's side, and I do agree that he has the side to be on pre-fight. Both of these guys have had a pretty rough start to their UFC career. We had Sato, who struggled early on with Ben Saunders, had a competitive round with him. Eventually did come back and score a knockout in round two of that fight. And very similar story with Baeza, had a close round one with Matt Brown, was rocked in round one, but was able to come back and finish Matt Brown in round two of that fight. So definitely not a good sign from either guy, considering they were struggling with pretty past prime veterans in Saunders and Brown. 
but they did come back and win those fights, so it's not too bad of a blemish on the record. I think the most concerning thing I've seen from either guy pertaining to this matchup would be Baez's fight against Reyna on the Contender Series. We actually saw Reyna land much more volume than Baez in that fight, and Baez was kind of relying on power shots for him to win that fight. That was just a very bad look from Baeza, even though he did win that fight. I just do not think that Reyna is the type of fighter that you should be struggling with if you're going to have continued success in the UFC. And I think another skilled fighter like Sato, a guy with some power like Sato, could be a big problem for Baeza. I do not like Baeza's striking defense. He does not have the greatest chin. And Sato cracks. He has a lot of knockouts, very hard left hand. And I think that we could see Sato sit down on a left hand and possibly knock Baeza out. I do think that Sato is the more likely to finish here. We've seen a little bit more knockout power from him, a little bit better finishing ability, and we have seen his durability tested a little bit better than we have seen Baeza's, who his durability does not look very good at all. I think that we could see this fight develop into a low output kickboxing match where both guys are kind of content to throw lower volume, fight at a slower pace with a little bit less intensity, and we could see this kind of develop into a boring fight where it goes to the judges, it's not the highest volume. I think that's a very good possibility here. In terms of bets for this one, I definitely think it is dog or pass. I would not be betting on Baeza at this minus 170 price. He hasn't fought that good competition, and he has actually struggled a good amount with that lower level competition that he's fought. So I'm just not ready to trust Baeza yet. I do not trust his defense, his durability, and I think that Sato is actually going to be my pick here. I'm going to be picking another underdog here. I think that Sato either finds a home for that left hand and knocks Baeza out, or edges a close decision here by landing the more effective strikes in this this kickboxing match uh, so the pick is going to be sato here haven't locked in any action on him yet but i will possibly end up with a money line bet on takashi sato the next fight takes place in the heavyweight division we have josh parisian taking on parker porter the opening betting line for this one was parisian minus 164 to porter plus 136 right now over on bet online we are seeing parisian minus 200 to porter plus 170 more action coming in on the favorite Josh Parisian here, and I'm going to disagree with that action. I think that where the opening line was set was about right, and where it's at now, the value has shifted to Parker Porter. I'm kind of confused why people are betting Josh Parisian here, because in my opinion, he is terrible. I mean, he is a really bad fighter. In both of his most recent fights, he was losing both of those fights until his opponents literally fell over in the octagon, and Parisian jumped on top of them, got top position, and was able to finish them with ground and pound. But... Parisian was getting taken down and out grappled by Marcus Malding, who has a record of 8 wins and 10 losses. He also was losing the fight to Chad Johnson on the Contender Series before Johnson slipped when throwing a kick. Parisian jumped on top and got a TKO. Parisian is a pretty huge heavyweight. He weighs in at 265, so I'm pretty sure he cuts weight to make that heavyweight limit. And he looks fat in there. He looks slow and plotty. His striking is not very good. He can't stop takedowns very well. I just don't really see what Josh Parisian is good at. He's just beaten a lot of low-level opponents by sloppy finishes and i really think that josh parisian doesn't really excel in any aspect of mma now getting over to parker porter he did get lit up and tko'd in round one versus chris dockhouse in his ufc debut but before that i think that parker porter has actually shown the better overall skill in terms of striking and grappling than parisian has 
I think that Parker Porter looks a little more comfortable striking. He has a bit more effective boxing. And we've seen Porter hit takedowns. We've seen him get his top game going, attempt submissions, land ground and pound. He does not have very heavy ground and pound. It looks like his shots are pretty weak. On the other hand, Parisian has very heavy ground and pound. He puts a lot of power in his shots. And I will say that his ground and pound does look very powerful. He looks very heavy on top. So if Parisian is able to get on top of Porter, that likely is going to be the fight. He should get a TKO. But still, when I objectively analyze these guys' skills, I think that Porter is the better striker and grappler of the two. So I like Porter as an underdog here. I think he is worth a small bet at this plus 170 price. I wouldn't go crazy because it is low-level heavyweight, and as we saw in Parisian's last two fights, he can be losing those fights. His opponents can be looking good, but then they literally fall over. They trip. They slip. Parisian jumps on top, and he can win the fight. So that could happen here. In terms of an official prediction, I still have to go with Joss Parisian here because he really needs one moment to win the fight. He needs one takedown, one slip from Porter. He could catch the chin of Porter and finish him, but we really haven't seen that knockout power from Parker Porter. We haven't seen that finishing ability from him. So if he were to win this fight, he's going to need to put on a good 15-minute performance where he stuffs takedowns, looks good on the feet, likely wins the fight via decision. So I can't really rely on Porter to do that, although I do think he is probably worth a small bet at plus 170 considering I think that he is the much more skilled fighter than Parisian but ultimately I will be picking Parisian let's go with a second round ground and pound TKO as my official pick so the next fight is the new main event of the card as I was recording the podcast it was reported that I think Curtis Blades tested positive for COVID so that fight has been canceled the main event Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis has been canceled wasn't really too excited for that fight though I was ultimately picking Blades by decision there if you were wondering I'm sure they'll rebook that fight in a few months but the new main event is a three round light heavyweight fight between Anthony Smith and Devin Clark Here's a crazy statistic for you guys. This will be Anthony Smith's seventh fight in a row where he is headlining a UFC card. His past two fights were both three-round main events. He wasn't supposed to be the main event there, but he will end up headlining seven UFC cards in a row. That is just crazy to me, honestly, because I find Anthony Smith to be a pretty bad fighter and extremely boring, so it's very painful that we've had to sit through seven main events of his in a row. Uh, but with that being said, let's analyze this fight. Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. The opening betting line for this one was Smith minus 161 to Clark plus 134. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Smith minus 125 to Clark plus 105. More action coming in on the underdog Devin Clark in this one, and I agree with that action. Mostly based on the fact that I would not advise betting on Anthony Smith at all with just how bad he looked in his last fight. I mean, he was fighting Alexander Rakic, a much better opponent than Devin Clark, but he just looked so terrible in that fight, was pushed against the cage and taken down and outgrappled. It looked like he had no incentive to win in there. He was completely deflated after the first round or two and just had no intention to win that fight and lost that fight decisively via decision. In the fight before that, Smith was fighting Glover Teixeira, and he was outstriking Teixeira for the first 7-8 to eight minutes of that fight, but he could, he could not keep up that pace. He started to slow down. He was dropped at the end of round 2. And then Smith just ate non-stop punches for 12 minutes straight. His coaches were sitting there idly by watching him just eat 
life-altering damage. He had no chance to come back and win the fight at that point, but his delusional coaches were just letting him suffer out there, take nonstop damage. So I kind of feel for Smith, honestly. He has such uh, terrible coaches behind him, even though I think they're good coaches. Mark Montoya and the guys at Factory X, uh, they just had a terrible performance in that fight and watch him take life-altering damage. We, we might not ever see Anthony Smith be the same fighter considering the amount of damage he took in that fight versus Glover Teixeira. I do think that Anthony Smith is the better distance striker than Devin Clark when the fight is at kicking range. I do think we will see Smith be more effective with his punches and kicks, but when the fight gets in the clinch, when it gets into the grappling, that's when I start to favor Devin Clark. He does come from a wrestling background, shoot a pretty high amount of takedowns, and even when he's not hitting takedowns, he will push you up against the cage. He will land dirty clinch strikes. He did really well against Alonzo Menafield, surviving the early storm from Menafield, eating some big shots. Devin Clark was actually kind of known for having kind of a weak chin, but not in that fight against Menafield. He ate some big punches. I think he actually got his orbital broken, broken really early on in that fight, but he kept fighting. He toughed it out. He grinded out that fight, was hitting takedowns, was pushing Menafield against the cage, and was landing good strikes against the cage as well. So I think that's going to be a very similar path to victory for Clark here. Clark is going to try to do what Alexander Rakis just did to Anthony Smith a few months ago, push him against the cage, hit takedowns, lean your weight against him on the cage, and kind of just wear Anthony Smith out. And it seems like once Smith gets in those type of fights, he just doesn't have good incentive to get back to his feet, to break the clinch, doesn't have good incentive to come back and win. It looked like he was really broken in that fight against Rakish. So if Dev Clark can get his takedowns going, can push Smith against the cage, and start grinding him against the cage, sort of like he did to Menafield, like he did to Rodriguez a few years back. That is how Devin Clark wins this fight, and I'm actually going to pick him to do so. I think that he's going to push Smith against the cage, get his takedowns going, land good clinch strikes, and just grind Smith out to a decision here, replicating that exact game plan that Alexander Rakes just implemented on Smith. So I have very little faith in Anthony Smith right now. I think his stock is very low in my opinion. But if you're disagreeing with me, if you want to buy low right now, if you think that uh, Devin Clark is a big step down in competition and we might see Anthony Smith look a lot more improved than his past few fights, then maybe Anthony Smith is a good bet for you here. But from what I've seen from him lately, I cannot trust Smith at all. I think we've been seeing good improvements from Devin Clark. He has very good process. I like his skill set for late heavyweight. And I'm going to pick him to win by decision here. So I'm going to go with the underdog, Devin Clark, to pull off the upset in this three-round main event. And that is going to do it for this podcast. I analyzed and predicted all 10 fights. Do not have any official best locked in on Bet MMA yet, but I will likely have some locked in before the fights start tomorrow in about 24 hours. Just a quick recap, this is a pretty good card for underdogs in my opinion. I like the value on the underdogs. Anderson Dos Santos, Rachel Ostovich, Bill Algio, Takashi Sato, Parker Porter, and Devin Clark. And I will lock in a few bets in the next 24 hours and put them on my Bet MMA page where you can find all of my official bets where I am up around 40 units for the year of 2020 and look to close it out strong in the last few events. So thank you all for listening to this episode. Hope you all enjoy the fights this weekend. Hope you all win some bets and I will see you before the next UFC card. Peace.